Welcome back to Soulful Conversations, people. My next guest, Tuddy, is an absolute character. I met him just by chance and I just said, you have to be on my podcast with these stories. But um, he ended up in a pretty dark place as you're going to find out um, actually homeless just through addiction and where that had taken him. But he had been on top of the world. I found out after the uh, interview that at one time he was going out with Elle McPherson and he used to be a model and pro surfer and later a um, surf coach and he's just done it all. We ended up talking about a lot about surfing technique, which I love, but um, just some really great yarns of like copping 40 foot closeout sets on the head in Waimea, but just really going deeper into that go hard or go home mentality that was pervading throughout um, surfing, particularly, I guess, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, and just the heavy drug scene that was also going on. And um, a lot of people did fall by the wayside, um, particularly when heroin came through the surf scene. I know I've always been um, surprised as somebody who got into the scene a lot later that that was even a thing, but it really was, particularly in the um, 70s. So you are going to absolutely love this podcast with Tuddy. Welcome to Soulful Conversations with Ash Grunewald. Um. In this podcast, we interview inspiring and amazing people, musicians, surfers, and experts in mindset, creativity, health, well-being, and making the world a better place. I'm tired of beating around the bush. I want to go deep and have a soulful conversation. So here we are at on Soulful Conversations here, and I have Tutty here. <laughs> What's your full name, Tutty? <laughs> Derham Brian Tutton, T-U-T-T-O-N, Derham, D-E-R-H-A-M. Derham. Derham. And we just met because your lovely partner, Lauren, was talking to Danny for the I Quit Alcohol podcast. Correct. And we just got chatting and we realized we had a lot in common and then we ended up hanging out and going for a surf and you went for a swim and totally all cool. sorts. All sorts. We had a good morning. It was fantastic. Yeah. And it was really cool. I, and some of the stories you told me were just <laughs> so awesome. And, yeah, cool. And I just thought, I just have to get you um, on the podcast and people will love to hear some of these stories. So... Um, Maybe you could tell me your story about your your situation at Elements Resort where you found yourself recently and turning yourself around. We can go backwards for there and then tell your surf stories. And No problem. No yeah. problem, Ash. Yeah, look, um, short, uh, it's, uh, it's a bit sad, but I ended up in uh, the sand dunes at uh, Elements after an amazing career and life. Uh, addiction had taken me to a point of um, rock bottom. And uh, I'd lost everything and I found myself literally uh, living in the sand dunes and um, had lost all contact with family, friends. Um, I didn't really feel like I wanted to live anymore. Really? I, um, I was that depressed. I was um, 
I was pretty much on my last last way wave, as I call it. My my way out was um, not far around the corner, and um, not that I've ever attempted suicide. But I tell you what, it was going through my mind a lot, and right. um, it was lonely. It was extremely lonely. Um, Were you surfing at that time? No, I'd given up surfing. I'd lost all touch of uh, my spirituality. I'd lost all touch of um, my my inner voice. Um, Literary addiction had stripped everything because that, uh, you know, physical activity, you know, being around friends, just being in nature itself, even though I was in the, in the sand dunes, it was full nature. <laughs> totally hilarious when you look back, but it was uh, sad. And I, I, I couldn't really hear the birds. I couldn't hear the, the, the wind whistling through the trees, the waves. I mean, I could hear it, of course, but I wasn't aware. I wasn't in in the moment mm. and um was thought a thoughtful um conversation with my youngest daughter who said dad you've got to go start doing something about it and she does mma doesn't she she's a she's a full fighter man she was gonna take me out she said if you're not gonna commit suicide i'll kill you if you don't fucking get off this <laughs> off these drugs dad and uh you know, I'd done rehabs before, but they were just enabling me. I'd, I'd been to private rehabs and um, I didn't Why get it. Why were they enabling you? But it, they would give you medication uh, like uh, benzos and things to um, to keep you calm and relaxed. And look, they tried their best. They were good in many respects. But I was, uh, I was just a stubborn old bastard who just uh, needed to hit that brick wall. I really needed to go smack into it, and I did, unfortunately. And um, it's a miracle that I'm still here. But mm. I did go to these um, little um, classes on a Wednesday about uh, intra, they call it, and um, talking about recovery and, and why I use and why I'm the way I am. I'm an addict. And in many respects, not just with alcohol and, and drugs, but in many things in life, obsessive and compulsive. Mm. But I had to learn all this stuff by just realizing that my family still loved me. Mm. And if I can make a turnaround, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And f uh, look, seriously, um, I really didn't think it was possible. But when I started to do these intra courses and then I ended up at a rehab called the Buttery Pardon no. the pun by people that don't really oh, like to that? talk about I've it. It's just, it's uh, just out of um, Bangalore. Ah, oh, I think that's where Ben, who's been on the yes. podcast. Do you know Ben? I know Ben. Ah, he was our next door neighbour here. Yeah, that's how we know totally him. Totally cool. Yeah, so Ben is on the I Quit Alcohol okay. podcast. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I surf with him a lot, and he loves his surf technique too. Did you guys end up talking about that? No, no. Oh, We're going to have to chat. You could have ended up coaching him. Absolutely. Because <laughs> he loves that wit. We were talking um, once about, uh, you know, getting a surf coach to video us, like, going halves or whatever and trying to improve our surfing. But I was always touring. And we're like, yes, let's do it. And I just have – before COVID, I was never at home, so it just never happened. There you go. <laughs> that's perfect. Well, let's see. Well, yeah. that was one of my number one loves. It was, was surfing. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and for my addiction to take even that away from me, yeah. That's powerful shit, you know. And, and yeah. I, just being in the water today like us guys, having a, just being in there swimming, you know. Mm. We had some fish out there with us, some dolphins. That some was other so fish, cool. possibly. Because <laughs> some big boys, maybe one in the grey suit. But anyway, the dolphins slapped their tail and got rid of him. Yeah. But uh, just watching you guys, you and your mate Juddy surfing and yeah. just – 
even though at the moment I've got a new hip coming next Wednesday, so I'll be a new man at the beginning <laughs> of next week. But back into this thing where spirituality, you know, you lose touch with that connection with Mother Nature. And with surfing, you are fully connected with Mother mm. Nature. And it's one of those sports where you feel really good about yourself mm. and life. And to get back into it, yeah, I'm just, just like a kid in a fucking mm. lolly shop at the moment. Mm. I'm just so frothing to get back mm. into it. And, uh, you know, and, and coaching-wise, you know, as a young man, you know, with all many sports that I was uh, taught to do, um, surfing was my real first Addiction, obsession, mm. and compulsion. I, I couldn't stop. And did you compete? Yeah, I did. I competed yeah. uh, amateur-wise as a young man and uh, found myself uh, on the Aussie team in uh, 77 over in uh, Hawaii and 78 with uh, Rip Curl. And- oh, was that... Not the bronze Aussies. No, no, the good mate bronze Aussies. That's a funny story, that one, how that started. Um, but uh, that's for another one, But uh, <laughs> podcast. But, uh, yeah, 77 was uh, Pro-Am. I went over for the Smirnoff Pro-Class Trials. Oh, oh wow. And um, and we, just an amazing experience over there. And uh, Rabbit was uh, kind enough to be Wayne Rabbit Bartholomew, soon to be uh, legend or member of parliament for Burley Heads. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's going for member of parliament. That's so awesome. Bugs, yeah, go Bugsy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was my caddy at sunset and uh, he was in the main event. I was going through the trials and uh, you're allowed three boards at the time, no leg ropes. So uh, you could have two caddies or one, and uh, you paddled one board, and your caddy, you know, or two, carried or paddled the other two out. Bugsy paddled one out, and he paddled on one, so I had three. So within the first 20 minutes of this 30-minute trial, I'd lost all three boards. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, with the good coaching from Bugs, uh, yeah, I I got through that uh, first round, thankfully, and and got through into the third round, almost through to the main event. But Mm. uh, unfortunately, addiction, here it goes. You know, I uh, went out with a few friends at uh, Third Reef Pipe on a rest day we had before the uh, the main events, kind of the last the, the last heat that I had to go through to get to the main event, and um, you know, a line of coke and um, and a couple of shots of bourbon, and uh, out I went. And um, what? Out of pipe, huge pipe. You what? You we, were we, we, surfing a huge we, pipe, and you had a, we a, couple out, a, a couple of bourbons and a couple of bourbons and a couple of lines of coke just to give us that extra bit yeah. of uh, Dutch courage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my second wave, I'm, I'm riding a nine foot six, what we used to call rhino chasers, yeah. mainly made for Wymere Bay and yeah. uh, not enough curve in the bottom. And, um, yeah, coming off a big bottom turn and I had the whole thing come up and over and land right on my head, square on the shoulders and uh, corkscrewed me through my board. I had three stringers on it. Corkscrewed me through so the, the board. So the lip hit you on the head. On the head. And put you through your board. <laughs> pushed me through my board. My left leg literally went through my board, snapped my tibia and fibula in like clear above the ankle, right through. Oh. Three ribs and a collarbone. All boom. Just like that. In that, one that little corkscrew. Done. Oh. Done and dusted. And the good thing about pipe though is that it pushes you straight towards the beach. Yeah. Then you run along the shoreline and then the current, the, well, the rip takes you back out. But luckily for me, the boys pulled me in onto the beach and uh, straight to the Cuckoo Hospital. Jeez. So they put me on pethidine to get through that. And, uh, oh, that was nice. Ah. The hospital. 
I tell you, it's just like heroin. And then I got out of hospital. I'm living with these legends at Sunset Beach and Dickie Brewer and uh, Al Chapman. And Wow. Anyway, the boys were all into it. They were all into heroin back in those days, you yeah. know, and uh, through, you know, all reasons of their own. Um, and I couldn't help but uh, say, look, I'm in too much pain. I was out of hospital, lying on the couch, watching Perfect Surf at Sunset. And they gave me Tylenol, which is this Panadol, to use. And mm. the boys were, we'll try some of this. Yeah. Well, and, that makes sense. And I, you know, and that was the needle. That was like the first real, you yeah. know, MP in that. So he- heroes and people that you're looking up to are saying, and also you've got no painkillers, are saying, oh, well, try have this. some of this. Have some uh, of this. It seems logical that of course. you would. Yeah. And it was logical, but unfortunately, with my addictive personality, yeah, it was a bit of a bum bum. You know, I just went straight into it, loved it. Um, spent another three months over there. Dan, I came back to Australia with an addiction, and all my mates were back into it. They had not back into it, I should say, had just become acclimatized to it because there'd been a big push of heroin had come into Torquay and and Melbourne. Yeah, and uh, the surfers were one of the first guys to um, or crew to pick it up. Obviously, with some other, 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 um, well, musos as well. But uh, yeah, but that was musos the thing. And surfers, yeah, music was pretty similar, you know. Mm. So that dark cloud came over, but I got rid of it, got out of my system, and um, I kept going. And at that stage of the game, I was working for. Luckily, too, Chaddy's, Chadwick's doing a lot of modelling and a lot of TV commercials. Um, wow. So it was, it was a good life. I had a fantastic life, you know. I travelled around the world with that job and, you know. And so you were surfing and modelling. Surfing and modelling. <laughs> and, you know, there was a few of my mates that was yeah, – Sean Thompson's a good mate. And Sean was also yep. doing the jobs with me, you know, oh, off wow. and on. Yeah, and uh, we got some funny stories where uh, we're dating the same girl at the same time. <laughs> but one, he's over in America and I'm back in Australia. And <laughs> it was hilarious. But we made – good money out of the modeling but there was no money in surfing yeah right see rabbit wrote the book busting down the door yeah and this is the era that i was in so we were beginning but and also to the surfing fraternity as we spoke about earlier today was really geared on going hard with everything Mm. go hard or go home you know so you partied hard you used drugs hard you surfed hard Mm. Um, and you had a reputation of doing that. And for me, it was uh, kind of a badge of honour. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a double-edged sword in that respect. And um, so right through my life, you know, I was watching the cocaine, the girls on the catwalk keeping nice and slim and beautiful and using coke to keep their weights down and, mm. you know, having shots of uh, alcohol to get your nerves away so you can be calm when you're out there in front of, you know, a few hundred or a thousand people or more. Um, it was just the done thing. So the modelling world was the same as surfing. Oh, absolutely. In many respects, it was kind of like, you know, uh, friends of mine used to say, oh, you're so lucky. And I used, and I, I was lucky, you know, Mm. extremely lucky, but it was also detrimental to me in respect that I look back now and think, Oh, you know, what I know now with my recovery and the 12-step program I've been doing with NA, Narcotics Mm. Anonymous, um, wow, where I could be today is just anyone's guess. Uh, If you hadn't have gone wrong with If I hadn't have gone wrong with all the drugs and everything. But the modelling and and the acting side of things, uh, you know, it was, um, for me, keeping 
myself on an even par I had to use at the time. I used to think I had to use because my personality, my emotions, very sensitive kind of guy, but also I could get angry really quick. And I didn't know, I wasn't taught as a kid, you know, growing up, men don't cry, men don't show their emotions. So we used to bottle these emotions up, you know. Mm. And and I, with my surfing fraternity, I could show these emotions a little bit more. I could yeah. let them out, you know. Not with the modelling side. You couldn't do anything like that. You just had to do the program. But with the boys in, in, in the on tour and things, we talked a lot about this sort of stuff. Really? We did, but we didn't realise that we all had a problem or most of us had a problem in right. many respects, you know. Right. And, um, and you know, I've got a, quite a few of my friends now who, um, well, they're on the NA program, you know. Mm. They've, they've got their lives back on track, you know. And some of us lose everything and some of us only lose some things. But to find your own voice again, to find love in your heart again for everything with the surfing, the nature, the respect of others coming back. I've still got friends who are starting to call me up. Old Vieta David called me last month and said, Oh, Tuddy, man, he gone, bro. Hmm. Hey, buddy, Poto. I mean, he's the uh, lifeguard out there at um, Chopu. Chopu and Tahiti. And yeah, he's a full legend, all right. Hmm. He used to ride for Hot Buttered back in the day. You hmm. know, he was, he was in the top five at one stage and. You know, he heard on the grapevine that I've got my shit together and he was talking about he's got a bit of a thing going on with, you know, drinking at the moment. He's not bad, but he, he wants to cut He back wants to cut right back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, us guys, we, we feel comfortable to be able to talk about this even more so now. Yeah. You know, so this is a good thing that we can open up and say, okay, well, look, this is where I was. This mm. is where I am now. But how did you get from there to here? Mm. How did you come back to it, you know? It seems like uh, with surfing, as a group, I'm just hearing this everywhere, that there's especially a particular age group, which is maybe older than me, but then also my own age group. But, like, in surfing, there was a big macho thing that it probably peaked in the uh, 80s, 90s. Well, it was 80s, 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s, into the 2000s. But And it seems like probably more... Also, people who are reading mags probably don't realise how much coke was everywhere and <laughs> drinking and oh, i mean huge, drinking obviously huge. everybody drinking and dope everybody everywhere the punter who's reading the mag and the person uh in the mag is doing but maybe people didn't realize that coke and smack and other things were a part of it as well yeah yeah coke huge coke and alcohol yeah those two things were huge i mean yeah. uh and the benzos the benzos the Keep yourself calm afterwards to get to sleep from right. a big night on the coke. A lot of crew got addicted to the benzos from uh, it was Valium, uh, Cerapax, you know, um, Normison tablets back in the day, little orange footballs. Right. I remember um, that uh, through the mid 80s, uh, the coke was huge. It became an epidemic, really. Really? And, uh, yeah. And, and seriously, in the top. Um, not mentioning names, but some of the top 20 guys, you know, in the world, I would say 90% were, were using. Yeah. 
and uh, and out of those guys, a few became addicts and and had to really pull up. Uh, mm. But they were using it for party at night time and, and going crazy with it. But during the day, they would use it to performance enhance and performance enhancing drug. You know, mm. um, today though, of course, um, it's it's not. It's not well that I know of anyway. It's not. It's not used on the on the tour at all. I was fascinated. You know, you were telling me about like the effects of heroin and mm. saying that. Say, actually, if Bell's was going to be ten foot and you're going to be paddling all day your ass off, you'd actually have a small bit of that and a couple of lines of coke. To- Correct. So- yeah, you could if you microdose. If you had the if you knew the right amount. Um, and it was a good quality. You could use heroin with some coke at the same time, and it would. Um, it had a relaxing feeling and a numbing feeling to a point where you're not numb, but it would stop um, anxiety. It would give you extra strength as far as like your endurance strength. Mm. So you could be uh, out there. And it's cold, good mm. solid ten feet, and you could be out there for two, three hours. Or everyone else would be doing one hour and have to come in, mm. and you could withstand that punishment and still perform mm. at a high level. Mm. But this is we're talking about micro, you know, just little bits at a time, mm. you know. Um, but that's you know that's hard to say for someone like myself. I I just you know I would do that for a little while, but then I'd want to take more. And yep. I want to get that buzz back again. I want to get that, that nice high. Mm. And uh, you just can't keep doing that, you, mm. know? you know. When you're young and, and uh, you know, and, and fit and healthy, you can do that sort of stuff to a point. But uh, being an addict, I, I couldn't do it. I just mm. had to keep uh, pushing the envelope. Mm. Had to keep pushing that envelope. Um, so I always have my little froth to go on the surfing segues. But so... <laughs> I've got a song that people love to ask, Take the Drop, where I'm talking about it's going to be big in the morning, don't drink too much tonight, oh, sneak yeah, off to the yeah, shed yeah. and get your eight-foot gun out because it's going to be happening. Um, but uh, I had a weird thing once because I say this is going to be like the swell of 81 and I was on a surf trip and I was playing it and Simon <laughs> Anderson was watching. <laughs> I was like, this is strange because <laughs> it's a bra- sort of funny, braggy kind of song. It's yeah, like, you know, yeah. Saying that in front of Simon, but um, you know the famous um, Bells of '81, and I'm good friends with um, Jim Banks. So I asked him about that, and he was around for that swell and competing then. Um, were you around then for that? That yeah, I uh, I was, and uh, uh, it was the most amazing experience. I mean, I missed the the final because uh, I had to run off to Mount Macedon to do a. A Norska commercial, <laughs> bloody oh. Norska commercial. The money was good though. I couldn't, I couldn't say no. So you were the Viking stallion in the yeah. Norska commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Mates used to pay me out and call me Norska Love God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pinhead. Yeah, yeah, love you, mate. And yeah. uh, Craig Stevenson to anyone. So the whole thing is that uh, Terry Richardson. Um, Bobby Owens, uh, of course, Simon, who won it. Um, so these are some of the standouts that uh, that were out there that particular day. I, I I saw the footage, but I heard all my local, all my friends from Torquay, um, just squealing. I mean, I, I've had it 
as big as mm. since then, but uh, that was just an amazing turnaround of our whole industry and surfing itself. Simon used to come and stay with me. He'd come down at Easter and, uh, you know, bring his bag of Buddha, little <laughs> Buddha sticks with him. And um, amazing gentleman, just an absolute scholar, no addict at all, just a, a, um, a man of uh, a vision, of course. And uh, we wouldn't be where we are with our surfing, uh, with our progression today uh, with, with guys like, you know, George Greeno, Bob McTavish, you know, mm. Simon. I mean, I could mm. rattle off many names, mm. but the designers of, of, of boards and the function and how they work so well. And Simon with the thruster. Yeah. Amazing, absolutely amazing, and and the way he surfed, you know. So for people who aren't, Soulful Conversations has a lot of people who aren't um, surfers listening as well. So to keep everybody oh, in yeah, on sorry. this conversation, <laughs> Simon Anderson invest, invented the thruster surfboard, which changed surfing forever. And Sean Thompson that we were talking be- about before and Rabbit Bartholomew are world champs. Correct. So Sean's world champ a couple of times, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, uh, actually, yeah, he once. Yeah, Sean, yeah. Oh, yeah. once. Yeah. And, and Rabbit once. Rabbit once, 78. But two of the best surfers best. of their eras. And, yeah, so that's just catching other people up <laughs> to our conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, Amazing. Simon invented the thruster and in 81 was a seminal year because he won on the thruster design when Bells was massive. He did, he did, and he was riding a board a lot shorter than was uh, was advised. You know, yep. you uh, you to catch a wave, to surf fifteen foot. Yeah, we're talking thirty foot faces on these mm. things um, plus, and to uh, to ride a wave of that size, you really have to be a minimum of a say seven foot six. Yeah, upwards and. Um, Simon with that thruster, it enabled, it changed the surfing from you laying over on a bottom turn, your most important turn of 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 that wave of your starting off for the whatever wave you surf. You know, usually your bottom turn sets you up for the rest of it. Mm. And um, so Simon designed a board with three fins, so the outside fins were like a twin fin, but the centre fin. To stabilise, and the outside fins were designed; they were angled slightly into the nose, yeah. and they had a slight twenty to twelve degree pitch outwards, which would enable enable the board to be turned on its on its rail, and not to spin out, but also not to bog down. And mm. uh, it just o- opened the door to, uh, to progressive surfing as we have today. And uh, thanks, Simon, for that, mate. But uh, you know, all these guys, you know, every single one on tour that I know of. Um, I think the first one that I really knew who didn't take drugs or drink was was Kelly. Kelly Slater. Yeah, right. Good old Kelly, mate. I mean, uh, good on him too. Kudos to him to, to show that, hey, you know what, you can still become a fantastic surfer and, and, a, and, and a well-respected guy in the industry. Mm. by uh, just sticking to your guns and not doing what other people expect you to do or want you to do. Because mm. yeah. I guess that's it, there's so many things that come to mind with Kelly, but um, and also he was so amazing coming through and the youngest ever world champ, but also, yeah, the degree to which he was also being a nonconformist. Absolutely, absolutely. It was uh, nonconformist to the point of... Um, he was a real stickler for that. And I think the way he was brought up to was an amazing 
um, you know, contribution to the rest of us. You know, thanks to his mum and dad for that one. But he's got a mind on him that, uh, yeah, he could see. He could see some of the guys that he looked up to. You know, um, I forgot one time he's talked about Tom and he talked about Gary Elkington Kong and he talked about a few others and said, no, I don't have to. You Aussies are crazy. All you do is, you know, you get you get pissed, mm. you want to have a fight, you know, mm. and get stoned and then you, you want to surf the next day in a competition and, and, and half of you are completely fucked up. Yeah, throwing what, what, up on the beach. Throwing up on the beach. So what, what, what fun is there in that? You know, and he was spot on. He was one hundred percent right. You know, mm. I think it was the first movie I saw of Kelly. I knew Kelly before he did this, but as a kid, but he did black and white, and uh, he was sitting there at uh, Trestles, I think it was, before he was going out and uh, in a heat, and um, I might have been going to school, but whatever. He was just such a cool kid who said no. Nah, I don't need to do this stuff. I don't need mm. to do this bullshit. Mm. I can get where I want to get by just my own talent alone, and I'll do my schoolwork as well, like a good boy. Yeah, you know, we all thought, Which, "Oh, you soft cock," you know. Yeah, let's <laughs> see for the for that macho culture that surfing was at the time. That's what you were talking was, about: seventies, eighties, nineties, majorly macho culture. Yeah, and it was sort of like. Now, looking back on it, it seems so obvious. But, yeah, it's like he had an unfair advantage to just not get into that, but also you'd have to be strong to be able to be doing that. Um, and at the time, it would have seemed like, ah, yeah, everybody's like, ah, oh, you know, what a soft cock. And now looking back, yeah. now look at the tour. Yeah. I people mean, aren't getting I mean, Some 11, people might be getting smashed before it, but. Yeah, 11 you know. world titles and he probably could have had 13 or 14. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that uh, still, still mind, still trap of a brain, and yeah, determination. Yeah, mm. and and uh, so these guys, Simon, you know, uh, of course, you know Kelly, and uh, there was a bunch of others rattling off that, you know, MR four four world titles. Um, you know, my mate Shane Aran, who you know Shane came second. Yeah, legend. Well, you know, and some funny stories there. <laughs> Kept telling him, "Don't ride those bloody laser zaps, mate. They're made for small waves, not for big waves." You know, and there's there's a guy who could have taken at least two or three of these world titles. Sorry, Mark, off Mark. Um, mm. Shane was that that good a surfer, mm. but uh, his bottom turn we've talked about before. He would um, get to sunset Hawaii at the end of the season. And they'd have the uh, indices on the North Shore, the Triple Crown. And and uh, if you performed well at the end of the season in Hawaii, you know, you could take out a world title. Yeah. And, uh, and Shane was riding these bloody McCoy lasers and uh, so the, the lasers bumps. Was, yeah, it was, um, it was short and it had a fat tail and a wind keel on it. That's right? exactly <laughs> right. And Shane... <sighs> When he was a young kid, we were on the Bain skateboarding team together. He was mm. like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, mm. and I'm 16, 17. Mm. Anyway, he uh surfer beyond his years mm. and amazing talent, incredible. Mm. He was going to be world champion, no ifs or buts. Um, and as soon as he got talked into trying these things over in Hawaii, he was determined to prove everyone wrong. Uh. And he surfed these boards amazingly. Well, we mm. can all look back at it. But if you watch him do his bottom turn, 
what we used to call this as doctoring your turn. You couldn't really lay that board right over like Barry Kanai Pooney mm. back in the day mm. where you could just almost see his bum and nothing else on the board, mm. you know, and spray coming up. And off the bottom you go and woof. I have to do one little add-in here. When I did a trip with Simon Anderson, probably the greatest compliment I've ever got is he said, you've got a good bottom turn like Barry Kanaipui. Oh, and I said, who's that? <laughs> BK. Because yeah. was, that was a uh, moment of um, ignoramusness for Total me. ignoramusness. <laughs> but hey, look, you're only a young fella. I mean, seriously, I had to give learn, yourself I a break. I learned from an elder at that point. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and BK, he was uh, regarded as probably one of the best surfers at Sunset, especially in the 70s. So was um, he doing that classic turn? Was he doing that turn on a single fin? On a single fin. And that yeah. classic turn on a single fin, you know, was hard to do because if you did turn too hard, and you know, Michael Peterson was one too and a few others, but to do that particular turn really well, you know, uh, was extremely difficult. And, um, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll forget so about have- Shane, poor Shane, because he did that bottom so turn did- and he would doctor his turns and he couldn't lay it over. Because and the- Sunset's such a big, powerful wave. And why? I mean, they're, they're yeah. amazing waves. And you've got to have... A narrow tail yeah. and a longer board for Hawaii. I mean, so the kids today the are still riding sh- way shorter, but their boards are still all narrow in the tail. And, and poor Shane, anyway, um, ended up coming second in the world. And mm. if he had realised that, you know, BK's bottom turn was not just uh, sticking his bum out and getting right over on rail, he was riding the right equipment. You mm, know? Yeah. And it's listening to your peers. And it's being aware that okay, we can we can be stubborn about things, mm. and um, but when you get um, constructive criticism, listen to it. Yeah, it's hugely important. You've got to listen <laughs> to. I always say to people like you know, I wasn't in my edition, so I can't say. But when uh, I, I say, look, I'm open to cr- a, a constructive criticism. Just don't yell at me. You know? Yeah, and and I think that uh, you know now that I'm clean and healthy, my mind's telling me nice and calmly, constructive criticism all the time, and I do do my little serenity prayer every day. Mm. And when I wake up in the morning, which is um, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I or God grant me the serenity to um, accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can. Mm. But the wisdom to know the difference between mm. the two. So, I love you that. know, it's a good one. And and the thing is that this is, I'm not a religious person, but with uh, getting into the spirituality thing, that surfing is a spiritual sport. Mm. You're in touch with where we all came from, the ocean, mm. and uh, the energy that's in the ocean, and the fact that, you know, it cleanses us. And to just get out there, and that's why, you know, I love going in the garden today. If I'm getting stressed out at home and I can't surf or can't play golf or do some painting, I'm not in that right frame of mind. Instead of stretching my hand out and going for a bottle of beer or (laughs) a bourbon or, you know, a tablet or whatever I used to, now I go, I'll go in the garden, have a little garden. Or go do something that makes me feel good without... Uh, a mind-altering substance. Mm. It's a fantastic feeling to know that I don't have to anymore. I, I, and I, I'm confident that I honestly don't need it. Mm. 
and where I've been in my life, um, like I said, where I could be today could be anywhere, but I know that I don't need to have that drink today. I don't need to take that pill. I don't have to have a line of coke. I don't need to have a shot of smack mm. heroin. I don't fucking need that mm. stuff, you know. Mm. It's unreal. I feel so good about it, you know. Mm. And it's amazing when you do have those feelings that, you used to cover up in those ways. You've got to deal with them. So you either go out into the garden or when you can go for a wave or whatever and do something healthy or otherwise you actually have to address it, which is the long-run good thing. You know? Yeah, it mm. is addressing it. And it's, it is, it's a long-run good thing. And, and, you know, there's times even where my brain will say, oh, just sit down and watch a movie or watch some mm. Netflix. And, mm. okay, it's all right to do that occasionally, but – my inner voice will tell me, my spiritual contact with my inner voice again will say, hey, no, 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 no. You know, mm. go do something more constructive. Mm. And and if I don't do something more constructive, you know, then then I'll beat myself up about it. Mm. So there's no point in going into that vicious circle of going, oh, I'll be lazy. No, I'm learning not to be that kind of mm. guy where in the past I would take the easy road. Mm. Make it easier for myself. Yeah, there's there's something really good that you're sort of identifying there that I've thought about a fair bit. And actually, even with quitting drinking, <laughs> I wrote a song called The Bottle that mentioned this concept, but it was still another 10 years before I quit. And it was uh, the line in my song was, I know about the difference between pleasure and happiness. Ah, um, nice. And and then the next line was, until the bottle runs out, I'm, but till the bottle runs out, I'm going to take what I can get. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, in that example you get, you gave then, like, you could watch Netflix, but, or, and that is some pleasure straight yes. away. Yes. Or you can go out, say you go out and work in the garden. It's not as enticing necessarily at first, but it leads more, you know, that actually that leads to more, uh, happiness. So the di- difference between pleasure and happiness is something that takes us sometimes a lifetime to work out. And for those of us that like to go too hard and you know get addicted to things and whatever, it's just think it's mistaking pleasure for happiness. I think sometimes that's a good point. That's a really good point. The the difference between exactly you know the happiness and the pleasure. It's uh. You know, yeah, I'm, you know, young man, I'm a, I'm a 63 uh, year old grommet, and uh, <laughs> I've still I'm got, a grommet too. <laughs> yeah, I'll always be a frothing grommet. I don't care. I'm, my granddaughter calls me the ultimate Peter Pan, you know, <laughs> and I love it. Um, but it, it, that's the the, you know, just um, like yesterday, um. I'm coming back from a game of golf, and uh, and I thought, oh, look, I'll go. I'm I'm feeling pretty tired, but I'm not exhausted. I could go home and just watch uh, uh, this new show I'm watching at the moment uh, that I watch at night occasionally, not every night. Um, it's uh, Survivor, you yeah. know, it's a new American um, series thing. Anyway, so I thought, oh, I'll have a little watch of that, and I went, no. Go past your daughter's place because you've mm. got a new grandson who's six months old and he mm. absolutely loves seeing you when you walk in the door. Mm. He, his eyes light up. He gets a big smile mm. and uh, loves chewing on my watch. And anyway, <laughs> you know, and she's got a dislocated shoulder at the moment and she mm. needs extra help. Yeah. 
So instead of thinking about my own personal pleasure and what mm. I would want, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm actually starting to re- consciously all the time think about myself but others more mm. so. Like Before I was so much more I- intrinsic in my own belief of I've got to look after myself, 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 just think of mm. very selfish. So mm. I went past my daughter's place mm. and it was perfect timing because I'm listening to my inner voice again mm. properly where the drugs and alcohol took away that inner voice. Wow. It really did, you know, and it's scary how easy it can be taken from you. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that I've never really thought of in that way too, that actually when you're off your head all the time, makes you into more of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. A full tosser. (laughs) Thinking about yourself all the time. I love that. Well, I'm going to think about myself a little bit right now because I am a surf frother and this is just for my own pleasure. But some people who are in my my state of froth will love to hear this story. When we were out um, in the surf today, you told me a story I just loved (laughs) because it's my favourite... I actually wrote a song. Yeah. I never surfed two mile or anything in Port Campbell, but I actually did write a song called Port Campbell, which was an amalgam of all my hold down stories. Because <laughs> um, I love that moment when you, I love to talk about and mythologize that awful moment. Mm. Um, <laughs> so you were out surfing at Waimea with Mark Fu when the story starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we were just a uh, little closeout came through today about a two-footer. Woo! Um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, 1985. It was uh, Christmas Eve. And uh, Mark and I and, uh, well, there was a whole lot of us out that day, but it was late in the evening. It was just um, the sun was just setting. And Mark and I were the last two out at Waimea. It was a good 20, 25 foot, solid. Wow. Um, and a lot of people during that uh, those swells, they sit up at Pupakea Hill and watch from the top there and also, um, you know, at Waimea itself. But so uh, the next day, uh, there was a huge swell supposed to be coming through, 40-odd foot, you know. And, um, you know, it gets it's just too big to surf the North Shore when it gets over 25 feet. <laughs> so anyway, uh, which, you know, we're looking at 50-foot, you know, 60-foot faces on these things. But this particular day, uh, I'm feeling confident. You know, I've had some great surfs, big waves, and uh, I'm on a nine-foot six, a rhino chaser. Uh, the One of the Willis brothers uh, made me, uh, Mike Willis. So uh, anyway, Mark and I um, hear this tooting from the hill and, you know, the sun's setting and the, the flashing their lights on the cars and Mark's looked at me and I've looked at Mark and I'm looking at the horizon and I went, oh, my goodness, oh, oh my goodness, and the sky was falling. And I tell you what, <laughs> I have never been so frightened in my entire life. I'll never forget it. it uh, the first wave came through from a closeout set and uh, – Oh close my! Out at Waimea. Close out at Waimea. So it breaks that far out, and uh, for first, the first initial thought was that's at least a hundred foot of white water coming at me. <laughs> at least, and we're talking white water. Oh. And I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm dead. It was probably 50, 60 foot of white water, but that's that's a lot. And oh. so it's an avalanche. 
and uh, and you're in the open ocean. And so I said to Mike, what the fuck are we going to do, mate? And he goes calmly down. You got a 20-foot leg rope on. You swim to the end of your leg rope. Okay. Now, don't take your leg rope off. Leave it on. There's stories about taking leg rope off in big situations. You know, mm. you got you want your surfboard with you. That's your life raft. Mm. He said, just leave your leg rope on and let the water pull your board through. Let pull you through the the water. Let mm. the board pull you through, and it'll pull you up. And I'm like, and I I remember talking to him after this the episode, but during this particular time, I'm hyperventilating i'm shitting myself literally <laughs> almost and it just it turned out to be an amazing experience i'm still here today to talk about it but yeah he was right 100 percent. that's why he was the gun surfer he was the wymere king you know him but, and eddie i cow mate you know but the funniest thing about that that i loved so much was that he's like Leave your leg rope on. Do this, do that. Like all of these instructions Calm. while it's happening. While it was happening. I guess you have time while that's coming. Well, you do. I mean, this, this these these waves, there was two waves in that set. Um, well, of course, we came straight in after that. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it broke, you know, a good another half a mile out to sea. So, yeah, don't it was actually humongous. talk about it and really hyperventilate. Really, yeah. So, did you get... What did you do? Did you actually get your breathing under control before you... Yeah, I did. Oh, I was super fit back then too. I'd been surfing there for two years on the North Shore, lived on right in front of pipe that those particular yeah. two seasons, two years. But, yeah, it was, um, it was uh, take a deep breath, you know, suck the air in as quickly and hard as you can, fill your lungs right up. Did you, um, before that, did you do some breathing before that? Like, you know it's coming, you're watching it. So, yeah, yeah, you, you're, so you're consciously breath. going, ah, okay, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, this is what I've got to do. Mark's told me to do this, and he said, one, he literally said, okay, well, let's do it together, one, two, three, and we dove off our boards and headed to the bottom until we felt the tug of our leg ropes. You can't go any further. You're 20 feet down we were, you know, and um, big, just like a freight train, boom, right over the top of us. Did you, get, did you escape it? Well, the first wave came through. It pulled us literally like I felt like a, a, a speedboat was pulling me through the, the ocean. Uh, and it did. It pulled me back up to the surface. Then the next one came through and yeah. uh, that ragdolled me fully. I got fully just – I couldn't – I got down to about maybe eight foot under the water because it was full of – after the first wave had come through, it was full of turbulence. Yeah, so it so was I effort couldn't, to stay up to it. It was an absolute effort just to even get down to eight feet and oh. the next one came through and tried. To, I tried to do the same thing and I was about 50 feet away from Mark at that stage, was every man for himself. Mm. So um, I thought, okay, well, this is this – is, if there's another one or two waves after this, I might be in trouble mm. and luckily it was the last wave of that two-wave set the second wave and i uh i got a good hammering and held down for a good 20 30 seconds max but that's a long time when you're getting smashed around oh, and hot and having to hold your breath but you know like i said young and fit um but uh, it taught me about the uh the concept of keeping yourself in a mindful state and you know, with the coaching later on in the late 90s and early 2000s when I had the surfing academy with Dave Simons at uh, D-Bar teaching the boys how to keep themselves calm and to uh, get as much oxygen in and not, not to panic 
and to realise that, you know, you're not going to be held under for more than 20, 30 seconds in any real situation, you know, very rare. And, um, you know, and, and the human body can easily do that. It's just keeping yourself in a calm and collective composure. But um, easily said that than done when you've got a friggin' amount of, amount of white water coming at you and you're just going, fuck me, I'm, all, I'm gone. Oh, oh Christmas Eve, I'm not going to see the kids tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gone. But, you know, we're, we can laugh about it now. But unfortunately for Mark, he went over to Mavericks and years later and, surfing waves over there that were um you know 12 15 foot 18 foot that day i think and uh oh, sad sad but uh you know he he got hit in the head on a wipeout and um just got held down on a on a bomb he leg rope wrapped around supposedly and uh kept him under the water and uh old mate mike parsons literally caught the wave behind and got wiped out as well and uh, reckons he bumped into Mark underwater, you know, and just realised that that would have been Mark. And later on, the boys were looking for him and um, never found him until late that afternoon on their way back to the uh, to the harbour, back driving the boats back into... Uh, yeah, you know, that was the, terrible. You know, just very sad, man, you know. It was a, he, Mark was one of these guys, a gentleman that – him and Mark Fu came over – Mark, sorry, Mark and Bobby Owens came over and to Bells and I looked after them one year. This is many years before, this, um, 77, 76, or 78. Anyway, whatever. But I took both those guys down to Joanna. Down wow. near Port Campbell, yeah. you were talking about before, yeah. and uh, we had a beautiful bank, just the three of us together. The first wow. cup down the beach, you know, four to six foot, perfect right hander, and uh, we bonded. You know, all three of us bonded so well, and and to um, to keep in contact with these guys ever since, and then to have Mark disappear was sad because he was a true true gentleman. He would always have a a room for you to stay or a couch to crash on and advice like a, you know this wonderful advice i got that <laughs> when it mattered that, that when it mattered yeah. and uh yeah these kind of uh surfing ad- ambassadors you know we we need more of them today mm. and there's, mm. a, there's a few guys out there that uh Tying their line and doing well in the, in that respect, but um, it's good that that tendency um, these days in you know like the podcast we're on sharing stories right now, and um, you know I'm really good mates with Dave Rastovich and him. I was going to mention Dave. He's one of those guys I was going to say exactly Dave's name. Right. Well, well, I was actually thinking about um, he is one person like that, but also he had um, him and Lauren have a podcast called The Water People, and. Um, they had Jerry Lopez on there. Oh, Jerry. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that Ooh. really came to mind as um, – because the first podcast I did for Soulful Conversations ever was with John Butler. And we were talking about um, – he just spoke so well. It set up the podcast so well. And it's like, you know, it's time for us to become elders, start spreading, yeah. see ourselves in that way. And it's almost like, you know, there's 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 different generations of that elderhood and – this format is allowing for people to, you know, express that and for people to get their wisdom. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a great format. I mean, you know, don't start me on this COVID thing. We won't go there. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, there's a, a lot of us guys do NA. You know, um, you know, like I spoke about before, the 12 Steps uh, program, the spirituality program, getting back into yourself. But, 
in that regard, no, not going to meetings, unable to do meetings because of you know the, the distancing and COVID thing. But a lot of the um, uh, getting on the uh, what do they call it the um, Zoom meetings, you know, where oh, we, yeah. people and opening up and just doing men's talks or women doing women's talks mm. and opening up about just. Chatting about life, and, you know, and, and this podcast, what we're talking about today, you know, whether it be surfing addiction or, um, you know, getting back into knowing yourself, uh, becoming the, the person you've always wanted to be. Um, you know, I, I strongly can't recommend surfing more so than a greatest way for men and women to know themselves and to know true mindfulness because um, – just being in the water today, uh, you know, and being clean and healthy and feeling the ocean itself and, and feeling, you know, I, I felt the, the bait fish before I saw the bait fish. You know, I, I could feel something that was in the water before I could see anything in the water. <laughs> and, and this is years and years of, of being a surfer, mm. you know, since I was an eight-year-old kid. Can I just ask you a I don't want to. Oh, this is a. I, I love what you're saying there. I'm going for a ne- little tangent again. Okay. Um, now I've this year. I've just seen um, so many sharks in the water. I feel like a shark magnet this year. <laughs> and very recently, I was I was out there, and there was quite a healthy sized one coming towards me, and I paddled in. Um, now we were out there today, and the dolphins kept slapping the top of the water as if they were big whales. I've only seen whales do that and the dolphins. And I was like, I wonder why they're doing that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Do you have any theories on that? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I was an extremely fortunate young man. Uh, my grandfather lived on Magnetic Island. My dad eventually lived up there. Uh, now he's in Maroochydore. But at the age of 10 till I was 16, I would go up and do shark research. Right. With Dr. Bob Endine and, and Theo W. Brown. And... They taught me all these things about you know, many um, idiosyncrasies and, and, and um, habits of different marine life, but I just loved anything to do with the ocean and mm. the sea. So May school holidays, I would, I would dive in the ocean, learn to, to free dive and scuba dive. But um, I learned a lot about sea life, and one of the main things I learned about was being comfortable in the water around sh- things like sharks. Mm. Um, I, okay, there's a certain species of shark that no one would really feel comfortable with. Um, obviously, the great white, but mm. um, yeah, you 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 see reactions in the water where dolphins work with sharks when they feed. Um, they're not best of mates, but when the dolphins this time of year have their babies, they will slap their tail on the water to say, "Hey, fuck off." Right. You're in my territory. I'm giving you a warning. And, I mean, the bottlenose dolphin is such an amazing uh, mammal. It, it's, um, as we all know, it's super smart. And uh, they, they work together extremely well. And, and they will use their nose and they will, they will hammer a shark in the gills and kill it if mm. they need to. Mm. So instead of having to do that, instead of, re, re, you know, result, re, uh, resorting to violence, um, Quite amazingly, they'll slap their tail and say, "Hey, 
see you later, off you go, you know. You're and they get ad- the, me- the sharks get the message. And the sharks get their message, you know. Right. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So they were helping us out there too. They, they were certainly helping us out. And when you do see the dolphins together like that and they're doing that, it's uh, you feel a lot more comfortable even though they may be a shark in the water. And, you know, and the same thing with – it's like um, a dog, you know. Like if you show fear and, and you've got that – um, anxiety running through your body, you know the fish, especially especially a shark who relies on working on the olfactory sensory system that runs down their linear line in their body, and they can pick up vibrations of fear. Hmm. So if you like a dog, you know, uh, oh, I'll go. Oh, there's someone to play with, or have a go at, or bite, hmm. and a shark um, will will um, investigate. You know, because that's their whole psyche. Well, I was thinking that like this last time that I went in and I did kind of, I could be honest and say that I was pretty scared and I battled in pretty quick. And then I thought, you're going to be all right. You're gonna. It was just after somebody got attacked too. It's like yeah. I always see one just after I get attacked. <laughs> oh, sorry, just <laughs> after get, someone gets killed. gets killed. I see one the next day yeah. when I'm surfing alone. And um, I... I kind of thought, I'm trying to work it out, and I've been asking a lot of people who know about sharks, is that the right thing? I know if you're out in the middle of the ocean and one keeps circling you, maybe paddle towards it in that case because you're not going to paddle away. But it didn't follow me. So maybe it thought, A, it was never going to do anything. It could be very likely. But B, it could be like if it was going to line you up, if it thinks that you've seen it, then they go, oh, damn, he's seen me. I won't go now. He's going in. I won't attack him now because they like to ambush. Correct. That's exactly it. You know, they, they are an ambush predator, you know. And, and uh, you know, if you just turn around and head straight back in, yeah, you, you, you're doing the right thing because you're okay. naturally reacting to how you feel. And if there's a shark in the water, the smart thing to do is to come in. Right. But, like, um, you know, I, was, I used to talk to the Mick and Joel and the kids mm. I was coaching back in the late 90s. So, that's 2000. Mick Fanning and Joel yeah, Mick, Parkinson. Yeah, yeah, and the boys. and. You know, what I was taught as a kid, you know, if you are in the ocean and you have a shark circling or has, has an, has a, comes and has a go at you, the best thing you can possibly do is show aggression. Yeah. Is a smack it in the head, spear it with your board, preferably. Mm. Uh, Mick did the better thing. He would punch, punch the bloody thing. <laughs> Good on him. Kudos to him. Mm. But that's exactly what you should do. Um you know, stay calm as best you can. Mm. But as soon as this buggy gets too close, yeah, lash out because they—they're they're not used to anything in the ocean lashing out at them, except yeah. for the dolphins or killer whales. Anything that's more—it's—it's it's not usual for them to see anything coming at them. Yeah, and they need to protect their eyes. So anyone who has a go at the head right. is—that's uh, exactly what you should. That's exactly what you should do. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you did the right thing yeah. by coming in. That's very cool. So, yeah, you've you've coached um, a lot of the best surfers in the world. Um, for the average punter in the water right now that's looking to improve their surfing, what what is a sort of a common thing that is changeable that you see in the water that you think people could do tomorrow to surf better? Oh, okay. Good, good question. Uh I would say, like we spoke earlier um, about bottom turns. I mean, your bottom turn sets you up for for everything. Speed, 
in the uh, on a wave is crucial because uh, you can do so much with speed. But really, I would say that um, to do a good bottom turn, you know, like I said earlier, we're talking about feet positioning. You know, back foot, you know, ninety degrees, front foot, forty-five degrees, but and and a nice shoulder with distance between, but. What I see a lot of is that when you, people are, are doing, you know, turning their boards, toe heel, you're transitioning their weight, it's the shoulder positioning. Right. Like you, a lot of people uh, cramp themselves too much so where if you open up your shoulder, so if you stand uh, on the carpet, you stand on the, on the ground where you are today, wherever, and you get in your surfing stance, you stand there naturally but you turn your shoulders exactly the same angle as your front foot which is 45 degrees that's so what you should do that's what you should do so you square you bring your shoulders around your left shoulder if you're a natural footer which is your left foot forward if you goofy footer which is your right foot forward well you goofy it's your right right shoulder bring it around if you're natural footer bring your left shoulder around so you're bring saying it, open your bring body your back up. shoulder around a little bit. Bring your back one around, bring your f- leading, your front shoulder, turn it around to your front foot. Turn your, Open up your stance, open up that chest area because what that will do is also it brings the back knee in towards the front knee behind mm. it and it will put more pressure on the back foot because a lot of people – do not use the back foot enough to drive and they're leaning forward too much. So right. you can still transfer that weight backwards mm. and forwards, but you, if you square, you bring that shoulder around, the two shoulders, and square mm. them off towards that front foot, it, right. uh, it will improve your, your stance, improve your, your drive, and your style looks much better too. So for people trying to visualise that, if you're on your forehand... It means instead of facing totally sideways with your chest towards the wave, you have your chest facing a little bit forward down the line. Yeah, you're facing your chest forward down the line. You're facing so like if if you're 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 um, a lot of people their shoulder left hand shoulder natural footer left hand shoulder and their left foot is forward. Their left shoulder will be pointing towards the surfboard. You want to be having your center of your chest almost pointing towards your surfboard so that makes me feel a whole lot better because you do it well (laughs) i saw you this morning you were catching some nice faces i thought okay well uh, i'll just i've had a few people say yeah well give me some tips and i i've got a whole bag of tips to give them but you you surfed really well this morning i was Uh, impressed uh, uh, thanks we were just on two foot on the long board yeah but it was nice Nice oh, to see. That's very relaxed. Nice. Dance is, in, is crucial. You're nice, you know, not too stiff. Mm. And your shoulders. You had that nice 45 degree angle mm. on your shoulders, and keeping the hands nice and relaxed mm. by your side. You know, when your fingers together. I've been really lucky because, um, like, I was. Fr- I grew up in Melbourne, so I started surfing late in life. And then once I was, you know, in my mid twenties, I was hanging around a lot with Rasta. So. <laughs> Yes. Uh, we did a lot of trips and stuff together. So I've had um, cool. the tutorials from, but not literal tutorials because most, most good surfers, they don't tell you very much. I mean, he might have told me some things. but Well, you see that a lot. There's a lot of amazing surfers out there, fucking way, obviously way better than me, but mm. it's being able to transfer that knowledge mm. into a teacher, coaching. I've always liked to coach and mm. teach. So 
I think I've I've um, been able, been blessed, been taught many different sports, been able to transfer that information. Mm. But with Rasta, I mean, he's the most amazing surfer, mm. great guy, but mm. a beautiful surfer, and uh, I'm sure that. If he went through all the lessons that I've gone through and, and learnt how to be a coach, mm. he'd be able to transfer all that information mm. beautifully. But that's not his bag, I suppose. Mm. He's, you know, he's into his doing his music, his, you know, his protection of the environment and every amazing father and husband, mm. blah, 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 blah. Mm. But he's, um, he's obviously not a coach mm. in that respect. Mm. And Especially in my younger days, I froth. I used to froth so hard, like because I started a bit later, you know. And uh, I just wanted to know everything about surfing. Oh, you would have gone off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've calmed down a little bit, but I still got that froth, and I still want to. I think it's still worth aver- the average everyday punter to work on your surfing. This this is one really interesting thing that I've found in my surfing journey. When I'm distracted and I'm doing music, I'm doing other things and I just haven't had a chance to get in the water much, I'll go for a surf and it is what it is. But when I actually stop to think about it and I think, oh, I want to improve some element of my surfing when I'm out there, it could be junk and I'm I'm I love it so much because I've just given it a bit more meaning. I'm I'm working on something and it doesn't even matter about the conditions then or yeah, anything. You yeah. just And then if I let that drift and I'm not even trying to improve anything, um which is sometimes what people you get you often get told that, you know, to be really soulful, you have to not care how you're surfing. You know, there's a bit of that out oh, there, you know. Totally. But totally. I actually find that I'm more in the moment when I actually am trying to improve something. You know, it's actually, you know, and, and then you can take time to take in. And then there's days, but- yeah, exactly. It's the days where it's the average surf mm. and not cracking mm. that you work on your style, you work mm. on your stance, you work on your, your turning capacity, you, you're building up your speed. You can do it also on the perfect days if you really want to. <laughs> but this is where the sport of surfing is such an amazing thing where the mindfulness, like when it's perfection, and you're just concentrating on the sets, how mm. long it is in between the waves, which side of the peak were you going to go left or right, mm. perfect right-handers, so you're taking off, and then the tube comes. Mm. And I can't tell you that anyone who doesn't surf, well, you just have to learn to surf. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyone who does know how to surf and has actually had tubes and tube mm. rides, mm. it's the closest thing you'll ever come to being – in the lap of God. I mean, mm. it's. Uh, I've had at least 10 out of the 15 top surfers in the world in my lounge room. We've all talked about this amazing experience of tube riding and the fact that you are in a mindful state and you're not thinking about, in my left foot, is it right? Mm. Am I leaning too far here? Are my hands here? Or am I doing this? You are 100% in the moment and... Everything just works for you mm. at the best of your ability. And if you get hammered, you get hammered. If you come out, it's because you've done it pretty much everything right mm. and by just experience and practice. But that tube ride is, um, oh, yeah, we've, we've literally, people go, oh, you're full of shit. But mm. we've said, hey, it's better than sex. <laughs> and and, and we've all, 100%. I mean, it's just mm. the best experience I've ever had in my life. Mm. Yeah, and I... Nice. 
real just we won't dwell on the addiction and shit but that took that from me and now that uh i'm clean healthy i, I mean you this new hip next week uh i'm gonna be just wherever the surf's good again and uh you know whether it's in the Mentawis, fiji hawaii tahiti or the locally down here at byron and uh and lennox you know i'll be out there with the boys again but yeah, tube riding and learning to be, you know, comfortable and happy with how your style is. You can tweak it. You can get some good coaching from someone who uh, knows what they're talking about. Uh, you know, improving on anything is, is fantastic. But with surfing, you don't have to um, be a world champ or you don't have to have mm. the style of Jerry Lopez or, you know, uh, you know, you know, Rasta, for an example, mm. you know, and beautiful style but uh just to be comfortable out there and have some fun with your mates and mm. enjoy it you know just like well, i was out there swimming with you two and juddy mm. this morning and mm. you know that was just juzzy smith people Jazzy smith yeah, yeah who great musician uh local musician and great performer check him out on youtube he's got one one of his uh one of his youtube clips has millions and millions of views he's quite a freak there you so go. I just thought I'd put that little Plug side Jazzy, disclaimer yeah. in for Jazzy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sweet. You know, and, and improving. And look, talking about mates too, there's a mate of mine who's living back in my old hometown, uh, Torquay, and that's uh, Brad Gerlach, old girl. Oh, yeah. And Brad's come up with Spoke to Brad this the other month, and I'm supposed to have sorted out a what best um, um, Kangen uh, Enagic water machine. He wanted to get one, which is a pH balanced machine. But oh, yeah. anyway, uh, uh, Gurr, Brad Gerlach, um, has come up with an amazing new development of um, how to get to your feet super quick and uh, oh. and improve your, your um, you know, takeoff method. And uh, I haven't seen it yet. He just told me he was putting it all together. So... Um, just uh, keep an eye open for that one, Brad Gerlach's, um Wow, we'll have to put that out. Maybe we could have him talk on the podcast. Oh, I about reckon it. we should. I reckon yeah. we could. I reckon we will. There oh, go. that'd be Stay awesome, tuned, everyone. Because I actually, for my book, I interviewed Connor Coffin, and Brad was his coach for a while, wasn't That's he? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a bit of a style master, the old girl. Brad's a yeah, he's an absolute style master. Yeah. Yeah. So he lives in Torquay now. He's in Torquay oh, now okay. with his family. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, we spoke about, yeah, because a lot of us older guys have moved on to other places, warmer climate, mm. climate like here mm. in Byron, thankfully. Mm. But, yeah, Brad's a cool dude, mm. totally cool guy. So you're going to be um, – do you do surf coaching now? Or I am. I am. I'm just doing private lessons at the moment because, mm. uh, you know, I'm not able to get in the ocean as often as I want because of mm. this bloody hip. But mm. – um, as soon as I have this operation, I'll be able to be in the water coaching and out of the water. But private lessons, mm. yeah. No, we'll have to put some links up where uh, people can, uh, people who are up on in the Byron region can uh, find you. And um, and that's yeah, grommets, grommets, the little kiddies, girls, and the boys. Yeah, cool. More Do you have anything to. to I could say? Uh, a website or a, a Facebook? No, or? I've got nothing at the moment. I've okay. got to. Uh, I'm, yeah. We'll get <laughs> you organised with that. Technically and not onto yeah. it, but you have to get me organised on that one yeah. for sure. It'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for that, Ash. Cheers, man. Cheers.